Hey guys, welcome to a new episode. I'm back talking about like more things going on in my actual life as opposed to just ranting about somebody who makes media that I used to enjoy, which has been like the trend as of late <laughs> with like the other episodes I've been doing. So um, if you want to hear about like EMDR things and just like, you know, stuff <laughs> from my actual life, then feel free to continue listening. Um, though I don't blame you if you don't want to, because my life isn't that interesting anymore. <laughs> anyway, so I d- worked on the first memory we did with EMDR, which was a success because we worked through it in just like the one time, um, which not that surprising because the f- the one memory we worked on first was like one of the easiest ones is like... It was still a memory that is me when I was very young being afraid of my dad, but it's um, nowhere near, like, as bad as other memories with him are. Like, not even close. This is one that I, wor- that I worked on with my other therapist when I did EMDR. So we this was, like, working on it from, like, a different perspective, kind of. Um, so it was, it only took, like, one time. And usually processing memories takes multiple times. Um, so there's that. And um, so that's good. And I'm kind of like enjoying this small part of EMDR that I feel like will already be done when we have our appointment this week of it not being quite so like hard or daunting or, or remembering really painful things. Like, yeah, it always is hard to remember how I felt when I was afraid or in what I was thinking and feeling at those ages, but, and that still sucked after this week's, um, session, but, um, it's not even close to being as bad as some of the, or hard as some of the other things are. So I'll take what I can get at this point. Yeah. Um, so there's that. The, I feel like the, like, one theme I've had ever, weirdly, ever since I listened to the Casey, I did the episode on Casey Anthony, and I was talking about how things that my sister did when she was younger, when she was in like her t- early 20s, and things like that, um, just reminded me of the kind of stuff that Casey Anthony was doing, and saying that I thought that she was the golden child of her family and all that. Um, I've just been thinking about that more and not necessarily that but more the idea of like how can I make my relationship with my sister or like how I look at her or what I feel I'm responsible for to be healthier (laughs) than it is right now like that sounds like an existential question but it's one of those things that EMDR and all that can actually help pinpoint at some point when we decide to work on that stuff. Um, and I already like told my therapist about it and she wrote it down as something to work on in the future with EMDR. But I saw this one, um, great TikTok as well this week. Like I've said this in like last week's episode or something like that, but Like, I feel sometimes, like, TikTok will show me the kind of, like, a video of something that I'm dealing with without it 
possibly knowing that I'm dealing with it because I haven't actually like made a video about it or talked about it at all yet. <laughs> and it would just be like the exact right sort of video that I need in order to kind of figure out something in my own life that I'm dealing with that hasn't just like clicked in my head yet of like why I'm doing that, why I'm feeling that way, things like that. Um, so the video I saw was by this wonderful creator called named not Jennifer Gardner. I, she looks exactly like Jennifer Gardner. Like I thought she was Jennifer Gardner for like the first six months that I was on that godforsaken app. <laughs> like it took so long for me to realize that that is not actually Jennifer Gardner. <laughs> but, um, she's in her, she's in her master's program to be a therapist and has a lot of like complex PTSD and trauma and things like that from childhood going through adulthood. And she talks very candidly about like what she's learning as she's learning it. And so, um, really like her account. And so she talks about, um, you know, therapy with her doing EMDR and internal family systems as well without, you know, giving the details, but still, you know, talking about it anyway, she can. And she mentioned in one of her videos that her and her therapist were asking or were talking about, like, what do you think? Like, what do you what do you think would have like happened when you were little before you really could like have memories? Because, you know, you, you can't really have memories and like retain them a certain way um, unless there's some like horrific trauma that makes that like almost makes your brain do that, but that's like not very common um, before you're like two years old or something. Like the memory that I was working on in EMDR this week is my first, the first memory that I can really remember. And the only reason I know that I was two during this memory was because it was like, it kind of turned into like a funny family joke. Like the memory itself is just me when I was two years old, hearing my parents arguing with each other. Like my dad was mad and he was yelling at my mom about whatever they're arguing about shit. And the part of the memory that like, well, my parents don't know that I remember necessarily this, but, um, I heard my dad say like bullshit to my mom. And at the time I wasn't going to a, um, preschool. I was just going to this lady's house who would watch me during the day. And, um, I honestly have no idea why I didn't go to preschool, but I didn't. And <laughs> anyway, um, when I was there, I was like upset because my mom used to, as part of her like teaching job, she would have to stay overnight with her students when they would do like this um, week long thing where they would go stay at like a wilderness sort of um, camp that was like the camp it itself was actually right by where we lived at the time. <laughs> but like that was farther away from where she went to school anyway. And so I was mad about the fact that my mom was gone for like that, for that week. And so I was walking around my babysitter's house saying, this is bullshit. And so like my parents obviously knew that I heard that from them, that, but they didn't know that I heard that because I was like, 
eavesdropping or I'm not eavesdropping, but like hearing them argue when I was like two and heard my dad say that when he was yelling at my mom when I was and like was scared. And so like that was that first memory. And so like that's from when I was two. And so that's like the earliest that I have it. And I didn't even know like it's not like you know how old you are in memories. You kind of have to figure it out. But the only reason I know that that was from when I was two is because my parents have told this, the like funny story about me walking around my babysitter's house swearing because I heard them swearing. <laughs> um, anyway, so the Jennifer Gardner, like the not Jennifer Gardner video, her name's her actual name, Abby, um, that she made is she was saying that and was talking about how um she was talking about how one of the things her mom would say when she was little or when she was a toddler was that she um wouldn't throw like she didn't throw temper tantrums and she didn't really cry and she was talking about she was thinking about that now in the context of like being an adult and knowing like what is developmentally normal for you know infants toddlers and all that and that like when you're a toddler or when you're like two one two years old whatever it's very normal you're supposed to do that because you're tiny and you don't know how to regulate your emotions and that's you regulating them and you having to like learn how and so it was like it was a one of those sad like realizations for her to realize that she already at that age when she was like two to two years old she realized that like that like making noise and all that and like bringing attention to herself was didn't lead to like good things so she didn't do it and like no like you know infant should be like aware of stuff like that but that's what happens when you grow up in an an environment that's like abusive from the get-go and so um I realized after I watched that video that like my version of that is how I've always seen it as like my responsibility to take care of my sister. And like, like I, like this, the version of that, that I have from my, when I was really little is that one of the things that one of like the stages or things that other people that like adults and things like that talk about that happen when when um parents have more than one kids is that a lot of times when they have the second kid that the first kid will get like jealous um there's even like you know those funny stories that are out there about like a brother or sister saying that they wanted to like take their like brother or sister back to the hospital and like leave them there or like ask them ask santa to like take them away or something and it's like a very um it's a very normal feeling to be like jealous of your sibling because they're all of a sudden getting all the attention and you're not getting any when you're like a little kid when you're like a toddler yourself especially and you don't have like the emotional like regulation or anything like that you just see that like now your parents are paying attention to somebody else and you don't understand like what's really going on. Um, but I never did any of that. Like I can remember my mom telling me when I was growing up that I was never jealous of my sister. I remember her once telling me that, um, 
a time when we went up to the cabin that I actually went up to with my aunt a couple months ago when I was little, little, like, I don't know how old I was. Um, I think a time when we went up there when I was like six or something that like one of my cousins was up there and it was like the first time that I had been with family like that where another kid besides my sister was there. And she said that time that I remember from that trip, my mom saying, like, you're, like, you're jealous. Stop acting like that. And, um, and I remember that that time that I was jealous because my cousin Johanna, um, is like three years younger than me. So she was only three, um, when we were there and that she was getting like a, a lot of the attention from all of the adults. And I, that was the first time that I had been with like my family with another cousin around because I'm the oldest cousin on my mom's side of the family. And so, um, like I'm the, I was the first grandchild that was born. So I can remember when that happened that I felt jealous of Johanna until I eventually just, you know, started getting along with her after that. But it was because I had never seen the other people in our family, like react to somebody in a way that was different than how they reacted to me. And I didn't know what to do, but like, anyway, what I'm trying to say is that I acted like that around my little cousin once and had kind of like a normal reaction to it, but I never had that reaction with my sister. And so like that kind of made me realize that, um, that like from very early on, I kind of saw myself in like this role in my family where I was supposed to be there to like help other people, help the other people in my family, as opposed to it being like me just like doing things because I wanted to do them. Um, and also it makes a lot of sense when I think about that, about like, because it's so embedded in like my view of myself and who I am as a person of why it's so hard for me to drop this feeling like I'm responsible for my sister's happiness or that I need to like hide things from her because I know that she won't like it or yeah like one of the things that happened this week that annoyed me um I think I can't remember if I mentioned this in last week's episode or not. I might not have, but anyway, um, the last time I saw my, my aunt who I, my aunts, uh, who I see all the time, um, we had made plans with my sister to, um, get together to go to, um, an art exhibit and then exchange like Christmas presents as like our Christmas, our last like get together before Christmas and all that. And when we did it, we were in person, we were like sitting at a restaurant talking and my sister like took out her calendar and like looked at it on her phone. And like the whole reason why we chose the day that we did, which was like a Sunday was because she had plans every Saturday in December so that she could come and if she wanted with us. And so, um, last Sunday, my, then all of a sudden my sister text messages me saying that she can't go to the Christmas stuff with Sarah when, um, which is my aunt, when she 
emailed us about um, how many tickets to buy and things like that for the art exhibit we're going to um, because she has plans the day before. And like when she said that, I just said like, okay, because um, whenever I make plans with her that involve like my aunt, I just kind of, I never am sure if it's actually going to work out or not because she's dropped out of things like that a bunch of times or just like really resisted wanting to see my aunt even though she just wants to spend time with her and buy her things like she she like pays for us to go out to eat she pays she's paying for like the art exhibit tickets which are not cheap things like that that's all my aunt does is she likes to treat us and go do things that we normally wouldn't do um that's not exactly a stressful situation <laughs> you know? Um, but because of like all of this things of manipulation that my mom has so well done to her and how well she did it to me when I was younger or before I went to therapy and all that, like it when you're like, you know how it is when you have abusive parents like that, they make you question the people that are by you that are related to you particularly because they're the people that are around you the most a lot of the time, but they make you question the people that are near you that you could go to or, or enjoy spending time with because they don't want you to like really have that many people in your life outside of them. They want, they get like jealous. Like my mom gets very jealous and they also just, it's like a thing of like, they want to keep you isolated because they want to keep you with you and having other people around to like, that would, that you could talk to would mean that they would have less control over what you think or what you're saying or how you were feeling about certain things. So, um, even though my mom never actively said anything like super negative against Sarah, it was just always kind of this like, this um current of like it's one of those things where they just like bring up things that make you that makes you think that they don't find them acceptable and as more time goes on those like little needlepoint things just like stand out um much more than they otherwise would like uh like the last time I we saw Sarah when my sister was there Every time I've ever seen Sarah and my sister has been there, she'll be like, she'll say like little comments like, uh, oh, she doesn't know how to stay with us in a crowd or whatever. And like one of the things that that's, I, it's kind of ironic because it's one of the things I actually like about when I see that aunt, because when we go to like art exhibits and stuff or museums, Thing, like the nerdy things that I love to do that I don't have anybody to go to anymore. And so I, she likes that stuff and will go with me. Um, when we do that stuff, one of the things I like about it is that we both kind of can go off and like look at like the exhibits or things that we like a lot and we'll go and read like the little descriptions about it and find them really interesting. Like we don't have to stand next to each exactly next to each other the entire time. But then after a couple minutes, we'll, like, find each other and then, like, tell each other about, like, the things we've been looking at and how cool they are. And then she'll go and, like, show me the things that I was just, that she was just looking at and tell me why she likes it. 
and blah, blah, blah. And it just feels, it's, I just like that. And so when we are at like the last, um, festival thing we went to with her, she, my sister was like, oh, she's, she's not very good at like staying together in a crowd. Um, she wanders off a lot and she said it, she like laughed after she said it, but I could tell that it was like one of those things of like trying to find something wrong with her. Like, um, the last time we saw her, she said something about how she said like, oh, Sarah's not very good at communicating. And that, especially when she said that was ridiculous because (laughs) honestly, because um, the reason why she was saying she wasn't good at communicating was because Sarah had emailed her a couple times and about like getting together. And my sister was telling me that she hadn't emailed her back because she hadn't told her yet that she was pregnant. And she was just like nervous, I think, about talking to people who didn't know. And um, but either way, like Sarah had reached out and and um and had tried. My sister was just the one that hadn't responded. And so Sarah then like emailed me and me and her made plans and stuff since Cassie didn't respond. And Cassie's, Cassie's my sister. And so then my sister was like, oh, she's not very good at communicating because she, you know, didn't get back to me. And it was like, and those are the sort of things that I just like let pass now because it's like the height of absurdity. Like Sarah messaged you. She communicated with you. You are the one who just admitted to telling me that you didn't bother like sending anything back to her like you didn't bother responding to her so what is she supposed to do she's not going to sit there and just keep trying to message you over and over and over again if you if you email someone and a couple times and try to contact them and they don't respond then you're just going to assume that they don't want to do whatever you're trying to organize and so you're going to move on to the person who you already know wants to do the thing that you want to do. That's just how that stuff works. And it's, and it's just like, and it's just like ridiculous that my sister is the one that admitted that she is not communicating with her and that she did get emails from her and she just never responded. And then somehow was saying that she's, that my aunt is the one that's bad at communication when she's being the one that's trying to communicate. It's just, Oh my God. Um, So there's always been that weird stuff with her, but it's just, it's like so frustrating for me to watch that happen because I know that it's my mom's manipulation still being in her head because I've gone through, that's like the hard part about having manipulative and like controlling parents like that is that they like put these things in your mind about, um, other people around you and, um, try to make you like distrust people and even if you don't listen to them and you don't want to believe them it's really hard to like completely turn off that part of your brain that then is like well what if they're right especially when they're your parent like and it's so easy to like really distort things like I said this a couple months ago I believe but like the other aunt like the aunt that I see from my dad's side of the family um he not he she um when I was like 12 ish and I was struggling a lot, she started like taking me out to dinner and taking me to like musicals and plays and just like nice, like nice things like that. 
And my parents turned that into a negative and made her sound like she was an untrustworthy person because she wasn't bringing my sister along to those things. And like me as an adult now, I recognize that the reason why she wasn't bringing my sister is because when I was 12, I was the one severely struggling. I was the one like very depressed and hardly even making it at that age. And so that was the reason why my aunt was bringing me to places and trying to do nice things with me and not my sister, because my dad was the hardest on me and things during that time were really, really bad. And so if you're like an, a family member on the outside and you know that your brother or my dad is like always angry and would be, he would used to yell at me and say horrible things to me in front of his family all the time because he didn't think that that sort of thing of talking to me like that was wrong or bad. He really didn't. And um, so like they saw that happening. So like, if you know that your brother isn't going to listen to you when you try to tell him that he shouldn't talk to, you know, his kid that way, like, so, you know, and he didn't listen to anybody ever. So it's like, you know, that's not going to work. So like, what can you do? Another option you can do is try to like, you know, help that kid, help them feel better and help them have something else to do. Um, that is nice. And, but it, that didn't even last very long because my parents made it seem like she was a shifty, untrustworthy, manipulative person purely because she was like taking me out to McDonald's sometimes or like taking me to go see the fame musical or the Christmas Carol movie, uh, like play on when it came through our town and stuff like that. Um, and it wasn't until a couple months ago that I, when I started seeing that aunt that I actually realized that like, no, she's like a pretty nice person. And there are parts of our personalities that are very similar. And if I would have, and she could have been somebody that I felt like comfortable around when I was growing up, if my parents hadn't been telling me since I was pretty young that she is not a good person and not somebody that I should trust. And that like really sucks ass. Um, and anyway, so I, when I was telling like a friend of mine online about the situation with my sister dropping out of seeing my aunt for Christmas and me feel when I, when I, that whole thing happened, I felt like she wasn't planning on actually wanting to go the entire time and was just like looking for a reason to drop out and just like got a Christmas present for Sarah that she knew that I could give her instead. Um, because it's just like, she said like, oh, I should have looked at my calendar before we made plans. And it's just like this whole thing of like, are you not remembering that we picked that date purely because that was a date that you had open and you were literally like looking at your calendar on your, on your phone when you made those plans. That's why we picked that day. And now you're saying you can't go two weeks later when absolutely nothing has changed. Um, and like when I, I was telling my therapist about that this week, after we were done with our EMDR, like reprocessing and all that, she, she also said like my online friend and my therapist both said like, you know, we can work on, well, my therapist said we can work on you feeling responsible about that. 
And, like, when both of them said that, it made me realize that, like, obviously from the way that I was talking about it, it was clear to both of them that I felt like I was responsible for that situation or, like, not for the situation, but felt responsible for trying to get my sister to, like, spend time with my aunt or, like, wanting their relationship to be better or whatever or just, like, recognizing the shit that was happening. And, And I know that it's not... Like, I know it's, like, my sister is an adult. She's a whole-ass adult. She's about to be a mother. Like, <laughs> she's um, she's about to be 36 years old. Like, she um, is definitely responsible for herself. If she doesn't want to ha- have a relationship with someone that just wants to spend time doting on her and, like, um, you know, spoiling her with whatever she wants and spending quality time with her as an adult, then she can choose not to do that. Um, even if it is because she's being manipulated, like it's her decision. And if she doesn't want to, you know, do that, then she's not going to like, but even though I do know that there's obviously still a part of me that feels like it's like somehow my responsibility to fix it or feel like frustrated by seeing it happen, knowing that I can't do anything to stop it. Um, and feeling frustrated by the fact that I can't do anything about it and I can't do anything to fix what is happening. Um, and it, so yeah, like that remembering or almost re-remembering the fact that since I was very little, I was never jealous of my sister and just wanted to take care of her. Um, it just made me see that, like, it's so embedded in me as a person that I was supposed to take care, that I'm supposed to take care of my sister. And for so long, I felt more like she was my daughter sometimes than my mom or that or I felt like I was her mom instead of her sister, even though we're only two years apart. It felt like that a lot of the time. And still kind of does. And um, and it's just, it's frustrating because, it's frustrating for me at this point because there are things that I'm still, still now holding back on because I don't know how she would react. Like, um, like, you know, on Instagram, when you can have like a close friends group where only a certain amount of people that follow you will see the things that you post on your stories. The entire reason I have a close friends group is purely for things that I want to post that I think would upset my sister. And like, literally, like my close friend group are basically the like 10 to 15 people that are the ones that usually respond to the things that I post on my stories that, um, and just minus her, that's the only difference. And, and it's just things like a lot of it is just like jokes or like funny TikToks or things about like abuse and trauma or whatever that I know if she would see, it would probably stick in her head and upset her because she's like trying to act like all of that doesn't matter and that she doesn't need any of that help and all that sort of stuff. Or um, if I find like a funny TikTok or something about autism or a post 
on um, Instagram that I want to share. I posted on there because I still haven't told my sister that I'm autistic. And that's like another thing that I haven't done is I haven't told her that I'm autistic because I'm afraid of how she would react. Um, she's said like borderline, um, like ableist ish things throughout the years. And so, and it's a very, I know it's a very complicated thing where people will say that like, you know, autistic people don't need to change that and they should be diagnosed and get the help that they need. And there's nothing wrong with having that. But at the same time, sometimes people who say stuff like that have like very ableist um, ideas or thoughts or opinions without really realizing that they are, or they feel different when it's somebody that they actually know. Like, yeah, when it's like somebody else, like somebody else's family, all those things are fine, but it's different when it's your own family. And, um, and my sister's entire life is so much about like her trying to just be like quote unquote normal in the way that like, um, she, you know, she got like a, a bachelor's degree, like you're supposed to get and works at her job and, um, is in like a happy relationship is now having kids. Like she's doing all, she's like doing all of the things you're supposed to do. And that's like what she's always kind of done. That's the whole golden child thing is that they always kind of have like feel like the pressure to be the one in the family that always has their shit together and like does everything that you're supposed to do. And they feel like if they do all the things that they're supposed to do, that their parents want them to do, then, or at least the parent they're enmeshed with. So in my sister's case, my mom, um, then they'll be happy. And of course the sad part is, is that that's not true because they're doing things for other people and not themselves, but that's what they're going off of. And so when, when you bring in like the idea of being like autistic or neurodivergent, I don't think anybody in my family in like is neurotypical in any way, shape or form. There's some sort of neurodivergencies, multiple kinds likely going on there for everybody. Um, but like, that's not normal. That's not like blending in. That's not like a regular part of society that makes you different. Um, and so I don't know how, I honestly don't know how my sister would react to me telling her that I'm autistic, especially because I have not, I'm, and I have not, and I am not going to go through like the official diagnosis process because there is honestly no point for me. Like I know that I am, um, I can see signs in like my dad and actually my grandma that died when I was 16, who is my mom's mom. So on both sides of the family, but even with just my dad, like my dad did similar things about being overstimulated and stuff that I realized that I've done too, that I just like forgot about or didn't think about it in that context. Um, Cause I thought it was just trauma, but it's, but it's, now that I'm realizing what it is, it's different than just pure trauma. It's something else. And it's this. Um, and so anyway, I can see that now that my dad was very autistic. And so I don't need like a doctor who doesn't know me to ask me a bunch of questions to tell me something I already know. And like, 
the fact that I know that it's an expensive thing to do, but it's also a thing of like, like maybe if I worked at like a, in like an office, like I work from home. And so I don't have to go anywhere to do work. I just work in my pajamas all the time. And I don't really have to interact with anybody. We just talk on teams. We, we used to have like one weekly meeting, but we stopped doing that during the holiday times even. But like we'll go like weeks sometimes without actually having to talk in any way, shape or form to my other coworkers, like actually talk. And a lot of the issues that I had when I worked at office or not just offices, but jobs in general with in person was always the like social norm stuff that I like did not follow. And actually this, I feel like the number one thing that is hard for other autistic people, including myself is the fact that we don't like respect hierarchy in the same way. And I'm, I've realized in the last like couple months that that is the reason why, like, all of the, why I've gotten along with a lot of the managers that I've had. And then also, if I haven't gone along with those managers, the people above me, like, hated me and felt challenged by me. And I never understood before why they felt challenged by me. But that's why, because in a neurotypical, like, way of thinking and also just, like, neurotypical society, you're supposed to like respect the hierarchy of the different people and like the different levels. So like you're supposed to talk to like your boss, like your manager a different way than you are with your other coworkers or whatever. And like, I think a lot of the people that were like my managers or whatever through ever since I was pretty young that I had, that I knew at jobs, a lot of those people I feel like liked me and got along with me because I talked to them like a normal person. Like, yeah, I wasn't going to sit there and like gossip with them about shit that was going on in my life, but I also just talked to them like a human being and like didn't feel like I needed to put on like a front of what you're supposed to act like, quote unquote, supposed to act like when you're around like a superior. I didn't try to kiss their ass. I would just give, if they asked me a question, I would give them like my honest answer, not what I thought they really wanted me to say that kind of stuff. And anyway, that is definitely why like some of the managers um, through the years didn't like me. But this whole thing is, is me just trying to say that like, I don't need to get an autism diagnosis because I don't work in an office setting anymore where I come in every day and interact with people in that way. Um, where those issues would come up. Like that's what happened in my, the, one department I worked in in this job uh, where I did come in and work in person, that's definitely what happened or at least part of what happened of why I didn't get along with the lead manager that I worked under. She did not like it that she couldn't manipulate me into, she wanted me to not like the same people that she didn't like. And I was like, there's no point to that. And um, she was always so like weird and like around me, like threatened by me. And I never understood why, especially during that time, because that was the year when I was super duper depressed and suicidal and was like getting like maybe three hours of sleep a night and was barely functioning. So I was like, what are you like feeling threatened by? Like the last thing on earth I want right now is more like more 
um, importance or whatever at my job. I don't want more on my plate. I can barely keep up with the things that I have there right now, which is hardly anything. And I don't want more than that. Um, but like realizing that, yeah, that makes it much more understandable. But like, since I don't have to work at a office like that anymore, I don't really need to get an autism diagnosis. Cause that's really like the only place I can see how getting like the official diagnosis would somehow like improve my life. If I was having problems at my job, getting the diagnosis would then mean I could tell them that I had this and ask for accommodations, but I don't have to really get those right now anyway. Um, but like, anyway, that random tangent was all there <laughs> for me to say that, um, I feel like I worry about telling my sister about me re being sure that I'm autistic and even like my dad being autistic because, um, because me and my therapist are the ones that have figured this out and, or my therapist has just helped me be more sure. And, um, and I've never gotten like an official diagnosis from like, you know, a psychiatrist or a professional or whatever. And like my sister already doesn't trust therapists, like has like s said many times that she doesn't think that therapy would be helpful for her, that she doesn't want to get any help in any way. And like, I always remember how when I first went to therapy that m she told me that my mom thought that my first therapist was like brainwashing me against her, which was awkward because my first therapist was actually trying to get me to be around my mom when I didn't want to be anymore because she was a shitty therapist. <laughs> um, but still, anyway, that... That is one of those like manipulative sort of thoughts that my mom put in my sister's head. And I know that she would, it would be hard for her to like, um, it would be easier for her then to like not take what I'm saying about me being autistic seriously because she would be like, well, it's just your therapist that said that it's not actually somebody that knows what they're talking about, that sort of thing. And I really don't want to have that experience of her like not thinking that it's real or um just like you know doubting it all and and like so I I've like gone back and forth about wanting to tell my sister about that because she's having her baby and obviously there's a good chance that her baby's going to be autistic or at least yeah autistic definitely because it obviously runs in our family. Um, just for something for her to keep in mind as her kid gets older to like watch out for so that, um, they can get them the help that they need at an early age instead of, um, it going undiagnosed or, or just like not getting the help that they really need to be a happy, healthy person. Um, so anyway, I've wanted to do that, not necessarily even for myself, like I want to share this with you, but more in a way of this would probably be helpful for you as a mom and for your partner as a dad going forward, just to kind of keep in mind as your kid gets older. Um, but like, I'm, yeah, but anyway, what I'm trying to say with all of this is that I find myself still wanting to like, feeling like I need to like hide things 
about me from because she won't like it. And I don't like that I still feel responsible that way. Like, uh, one thing that recently happened, you know, the whole crazy, like, Twitter drama with Elon becoming just, or just showing how ridiculous he is. Um, because of that, I started an account on Hive, which is exactly like Twitter. Um, like, the setup of it is very, very similar to Twitter, so it's very easy to learn how to use it. And, uh, one of the things, and I, and when I first got on there, one of the things I really liked about it is that I started that account just like randomly. I didn't really say anything about how I was starting that account on other social medias that I have. So it was an account that I knew for sure that like my sister and my mom would not see because they would have like no access to it because I didn't say anything about how it was on there. So they wouldn't know. And I, when I, um, Hive has been down the last, like, few days because they've been doing a huge server update because, like, hundreds of thousands of people suddenly joined their website out of nowhere after when they wanted to leave Twitter. Um, and, but, like, when it comes back up, it's just, like, a nice, like, it feels more relaxing to me. Like, it feels like the walls are down there because nobody because my mom and my sister don't know about that account. So I can talk about being autistic. I can talk about, I can make jokes about trauma things. I just feel like I can be more of myself there. And I don't like the fact that I feel like I can't be myself in other places on social media where there's a better chance that they might see it. And I don't want to do that anymore. I think is the thing that I'm really getting to. Like, um, I feel like the, the internal family systems work that I've done recently along with like the, now the EMDR reprocessing stuff is just going to accelerate this more. But especially like working with like my feminine side, like ever since I did that, I've just like wanted to do things and like been thinking about how to like show that side of myself. And, like, actually do it. Like, I wanted to dye my hair purple for, like, years and years and years. And I, like, actually want to do that. And, um, and like, I want... There's a million tattoos that I want to get. But there's one that I really want to get. And I, like, want to actually figure out when I could, like, try to find a tattoo place and come up with them making the design and set the appointment and all that sort of stuff. Um, and actually get it done. And like one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is like, I figured out like what my, what I think my style is. And so when you're a plus size person, having like a sense, like we have senses of style, obviously we're alive, but, um, finding like being able to like express yourself with your clothes is kind of, been like a more privileged thing when you're fat because it's challenging for us just to find clothes that fit us a lot of the time much less like clothes that we like like for purely like aesthetic purposes or because it's like the fashion kind of style that we like we usually don't really have that many, much of a choice 
And especially also when you add in the fact that you trying to find clothes that are also within like your price range is also a challenging thing too. Um, but there are more places starting to do like plus size clothes. It's still challenging, um, to find things that are in like a price range that I can afford. Like it's one of those frustrating things that I want to buy things from like smaller businesses and smaller businesses or boutiques or whatever, or more likely strangely so far to have a more of a plus size range of sizes than the bigger companies are. Um, but because those are small businesses and they have to charge rates that they act of because they're actually like making the clothes and it's not like people in like a sweatshop or something getting paid small amounts of money an hour to, to like mass market clothes. It means that their clothes are more expensive and so then it's harder for me to actually be able to afford to buy their stuff because I just don't make enough money at this point to be able to spend like 50 to like $70 on like one thing of clothing. Like I want to, I definitely want to be able to buy clothes that cost that much one day without it being a big deal. But at this point, how much I make at my job right now um, and like my second job and stuff, I just, I have more money but I don't have ne nowhere near like that amount of like disposable income where I could do something like that um but I will say that I pretty much have figured out like what my style is I just don't know how to actually do it which is essentially I I saw like a year or so ago somebody make a video talking about this sort of style and they were basically saying like art teacher like weird art teacher is their fashion and so that for me when I picture that in my head it's like wearing like overalls or those like or like body suits or what do they call them like those like I call them comfy overalls they're like overalls that aren't made out of jeans but like a more like comfy like stretchy material with like tie-dye shirts or like t-shirts underneath and basically like like clothes that are like um, comfortable that are, they're not like super fashiony. Like I will never, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm autistic. I'm never going to be willing to wear like clothes or shoes or anything like that, that are uncomfortable purely in the name of fashion. I'm not going to be able to do it. Like I wish that people, one thing new about being autistic, that's kind of hilarious is like when you have like sensory things, like how much those little things can affect you. Like I got a, I got a pair of, um, pants from Target just to get like new pajama pants. And you never know with sizing how big they're going to be. And even though they're my normal size, this version of pajama pants are like really big, what to the point where they like fall down when I'm like walking around in them. So I only wear them when I'm like actually basically like going to sleep and then I change out of them in the mornings when I do wear them. Um, but there's like, um, a couple different pajama pants that I have other than that, that, that brand. 
And sometimes when I'm wearing those and I like have a hard time falling asleep during the work week and I'll be like really frustrated and like my pants, the other pajama pants will like be like riding up when I'm like tossing and turning in bed and I can't fall asleep. And every single time it's taken me a while to fall asleep, I'll get up and I'll change into the other pajama pants that I got at Target that are like really comfy and I'll get back in bed and like immediately fall asleep. And so the reason why I couldn't fall asleep is because the texture of the pants were bothering me that much. <laughs> and so like, it makes a lot of sense to me for me to like want to wear like bodysuits, like overalls. Um, I'm not like opposed to wearing dresses. I actually like the kind of like little house on the prairie kind of dresses that most people make fun of, but I like the like super long dresses because I, the, th if you can't tell from the things that I'm saying that I like to wear is I like wearing clothes that it's just like you put on like one or two things and you're done. And, and I also like things that you can kind of like mix and match things easily. Like you get a couple pairs of like the comfy overalls, like I'm imagining and you get like some like, you know, tie dye t-shirts or just like comfy shirts and things like that. And you can just wear, you can just mix all of those together and then have on like some fine, like slip on shoes. Like I hate wearing, um, I hate wearing socks, but when I will wear them in the winter time, but, um, I like slip on sort of shoes a lot of the time. Like I used to have these like sketchers that were known for, um, being supportive when you walk, they've like literally felt like, like so comfortable. Like I want to get another pair of those too, but, um, I've always liked slip on sort of shoes instead of ones where you have to tie them and all that sort of stuff. I just like things that are easy and that's the kind of stuff that I like to wear. Um, I have no idea how to buy any of those things in my price range, especially when the only places I can find that have things like that at a reasonable rate is like Amazon and Walmart and Target sometimes. And I know that, um, you never know, like, what's going on with who's making the clothes they're getting. But, you know, all what I'm trying to say is that um, I've just realized in the last, like, couple months of doing internal family system stuff, especially in the last, like, month or so, that I'm just, like, getting to the point where I'm just, like, getting tired of feeling like I have to hide parts of myself in order to to, like, not make the precarious like balance I have with my sister um last and like I obviously don't want to like stop talking or anything like that but it's also tiring like I've been doing this my entire life and it's all like what I said before about realizing like I've been doing this for so for so long that it's just like part of me being normal of like hiding some of my own opinions or not bringing things up or, um, feeling like I can't be, I can't tell everyone about a certain thing about me because I don't know how they're going to react and being willing to hide that part of me because it makes it easier on the other person. Um, with my sister, that's a very normal thing for me to be doing. And I'm tired of doing that. And I'm finally getting to the point where it's like, I want to be able to express myself 
my whole ass personality. I want to be able to dye my hair and get tattoos of like my favorite song lyrics and and quotes in general and like wear clothes that is like my sort of style, like my actual style, not like the style of clothes that I felt like I should wear or just like the easiest stuff to wear. Um, things that I actually like to like because I just like them. Um, and it's like, and at this point, it's also this weird thing that like, my sister is the only pe person really that I interact with where I feel like I have to hide any part of myself anymore. Like it's been like years since I've really done that with other people. Like part of why I like doing like this podcast and why I like posting videos on TikTok and whatnot, um, is because I can just be myself and I can talk about whatever I want and I can just show my person, my actual personality now that I know more of who that person is. And, um, and so like the people that know me from there know like the real me and I'm able to like be my really be more of myself than I've ever been before. And, um, And actually, one other thing that has, like, I feel like helped accelerate me feeling like I don't want to hide who I am anymore is that I've made, like, a good friend off of the internet, sort of. Like, we met, like, on TikTok, like, every person that I have ended up being friends with in the last, like, two years, basically, <laughs> has been from that app. Um but it's been a super long time, so long since I've had like a real, like actual friend where I, that I feel like I can, you know, talk to about random shit and, um, like text about random stuff. And we like, will be on the phone just talking about shit for like two, three hours. Like it's been like three years it's been almost like four years at this point since I've had friends like that. Like the, um, last group of online friends that I had, it was like that with them in 2018. And then when 2019 hit and I got way, way more suicidal as the year went on, um, I definitely, um, wasn't doing that with them anymore. But like in 2018, that was some of the great in 2017, even with some of the friends from that group that I made online, that was when we would talk on the phone for hours and we would be in, in our group chat all the time. And I used to do like DoorDash delivery driving and they would talk to me on the phone the entire time I was doing it, or they would do like the same sort of stuff, like doing like, um, lift, um, driving and and talk to me on the phone when they were doing it and it but it's been basically four years since I've had somebody like that in my life that and it's definitely been at least like two and a half years since I've had like a friend that I felt like I could just talk about whatever shit that I want that is interest that is like on the same wavelength as me and in that way I mean like we like talking about like big important things, not just trauma, but like just other things going on in life. 
Um, and it's just really fun to be able to talk to somebody about all that sort of stuff who like just likes to hear my opinion on things. And it's really nice to have somebody to go to to ask my to ask them on opinions about things with me like um i mentioned this person but i didn't say their name i'm not going to say their name now but the person i'm talking about like when i um dealt with my feminine side with my therapist i realized when i was thinking about like how can i figure out how i can paint and do art because i love it without feeling like this pressure to do something with it or wanting to like share it, but feeling like I'm always in this like cycle where I share it and then get embarrassed or scared of what people think when I share it and then immediately just want to delete it all because I feel like people are judging me for what I'm doing. Um, I, when I was thinking about that, like a while ago, I was thinking like, how do I, how did I get out of that about like, posting other things on like the TikTok videos that I make. I don't, it doesn't affect me as much when I get like shitty comments from people. I just delete them if they're annoying and if they won't stop leaving me comments, then I block them. But I know that their own perception of me is not like a personal attack on me. I can like laugh it off and be fine. Um, and it's because I, I realized that I'm more like, I'm more confident in myself and that having people that I met as friends on TikTok that like helped me like be more confident in myself is the reason why I was able to like separate like the parasocialness of posting something like that on social media and people's reactions to it and knowing that it's not like an attack on myself as a person. And so my way of figuring that out when I started doing painting stuff, which I'm still doing, but when I very first started and I was like afraid that I was going to, it wasn't going to go anywhere like it had before or I would stop. Um, I was like, well, okay. The difference is that when I talk to somebody that I trust, whose opinion I care about and they say something back to me, then whatever they say, I can respect it. And it's just easier than for me to like, like, if annoying people who don't know me say that they don't like a video I made, it doesn't affect me as much because I don't care about their opinion. And when I, when I like it and there's other people in my life that I know enjoy it, like, and, or also enjoy like what I'm talking about, or even if they don't enjoy it, I know that they know me for me. And, um, I don't need to then care about what strangers I don't even know that are just like nameless, faceless accounts think of me. And so then when I was like, okay, I can put this with when I'm making art and I can then share this, share my art with people that, um, that I think are like trustworthy people and, and like how they respond will like kind of tell me if they're trustworthy or not. And it's kind of funny because, um, like, I shared the, when I started making art, like painting stuff again, there's like three people that, including this person that I consider to be like friends. And the first person, the person that I've been talking to a lot lately, um, she's, she like loves 
my art and even went and like bought like a blanket from like the website that I use for my art because she wanted she wanted it on a really comfy like fleece blanket. I didn't even know that website made fleece fleece blankets and but now I need to buy one. <laughs> as soon as I'm done getting my sister's like last Christmas present, I'm definitely buying one for myself. Um because I want I want that. <laughs> I want art that I've made on a big comfy blanket. Um but anyway, so she like loved it and talks about how she loves like the creativity of it. Part of what's fun when we talk is we both like doing like tarot oracle, oracle card readings for people and we're both very like intuitive when it comes to art stuff. Um, so it's nice to talk about somebody who kind of understands like the very like intuitive nature of art as opposed to it being like something you think about a lot. Um, and then the girl that the person that I know that I work for part time, she saw me posting it on social media and she really she said she really liked it and thought it was really pretty, which was really nice. And the other like person I've been talking to online as like a friend that is still friendly and a friend over the last like year and a half or so, I sent her um, a picture of my painting with the one that I really liked the best. And she like never commented on it. She like just like kind of continued on talking about something else. And like in the last like couple days, I sent her a Christmas present because I like, she's been somebody that I've talked to this entire year. And so I want to give back. I sent a Christmas present to my friend that I work with too. And, um, she got it and loved it and told me that she loved it and is excited to use it. I got her a Lord of the Rings like cookbook um, so she can try to make food from the movie. She's a Taurus. She, she's like a Taurus sun and Taurus rising. That's like the perfect um, gift for her. And um, I was so happy when I remembered about that cookbooks like that, like genre cookbooks like that exist. Um and so I bought like some things for this other friend and I told her on Friday that they were like in her mailbox that they arrived for her, but she never like said anything about it. Like she never said that she liked it. She never said anything about it at all. And it's been like days now. It's been like three days basically. Cause that actually that was on Thursday night, Thursday afternoon when I saw that it arrived. So it's been like three full days and she's not even acknowledged the fact that I sent her presents. So it's like, she's not like a bad friend necessarily. She's not like, it's not like a situation of like, oh, I don't want to talk to her anymore. No, but it's more of a thing of like a good way of me figuring out like, okay, this friendship is more like surface level, the kind of friendship you have with people online where you talk because you're all online at the same time when you're going through like real life shit. Like I've talked to her about, like big like trauma stuff because she also goes through similar things and so like this doesn't exactly downplay that but it does make me think that like whatever the situation is that if I like if I wasn't post posting on social media anymore that we wouldn't talk like the other friend the other two friends that I'm talking about um we talk outside of social media we would talk we would I would, if I hung out with them in real life, I know that I would, we would have a great time and we wouldn't need to post about it 
on social media. Like actually, ironically, one of the things that made me and the friend that I've been talking to a lot more connect more and start like realizing that we get along really well is the fact that she posted about like not like taking a big like TikTok break and not wanting to really be on social media that much anymore, which like then had me reach out to her and her say, yeah, I want to talk to you outside of here. And we got each other's phone numbers and, and continue to like talk that way. Um, and so like, yeah, like those two, like I, if I like stopped posting on social media, suddenly they would ask me where I was and if I was okay. And our like friendships wouldn't necessarily change. Like, yeah, we like talking about social media as us because we find it interesting, but it's not like the entire basis of our friendship in a way that I think the other person's is. But anyway, the entire point of me bringing this up was to say, like, um, I feel like the episode I did the other week, a couple weeks ago, talking about realizing that, like, the friends that I had and one of the people I saw as my best friend for a long time in the past was, like, someone who saw me as almost like I'm a good person for being friends with this person because they're someone that is obviously struggling a lot. Um, and how that dynamic was off from the beginning and could never really be fixed. Um, going along with that, I feel like the last like month or so has been me realizing like, um, finding, finding like friends that even if it's just this one person, like having someone to talk to again like that who wants to, who likes me and like wants to talk to me and, and I really like talking to her too. And it's, and it's just like a nice, like normal friendship. Like that's what a friendship is supposed to be like, but it's making the other things like that happen with the other friends that I'm not friends with anymore, easier to handle. Like, um, one of the things that I was just realizing, this is like a, I guess a subject change for this episode, but let's go with it. <laughs> it's, it's all kind of blended together with the whole idea of wanting to like, just of being tired of just not feeling a hundred percent comfortable with like being myself now that I know who that self is. Um, but when that last episode that I did when I was talking about friendships and stuff, one of the things that I kept thinking about when I was talking about this friend that I had from the time when I was young until like two and a half years ago when we, when I finally like cut things off, um, was that like this like habit I tend to have of like feeling like loyal or dedicated to people because they were there for me in a time of my life that was really bad. And they were some of the only like positive memories I had from that time in my life. And so I become like very dedicated and loyal to them as a friend and like, and almost constantly trying to like find a way for us to um, have like that feeling back of when we were first like friends and things were really great or the times when we were friends and we were having like a great time. And, like, wanting to, like, wish that I could, like, go back to things feeling like that. And, like, when I was saying that about that old friend, I was, like, I do this with other people, too. Like, the online friends that I talk about all the time that I was really close with in 2018 and, like, 2019. And then things just, like, 
fell apart. And I've gone back and forth a bazillion times about whether I should like contact them or not, if I should try to be friends with them again or not. And when I was listening, re-listening, especially to that episode, I was realizing that all the stuff that I was saying about this old friend also applies to them. Like we were really close in like 2017, 2018, some of 2019, but it really started falling apart more in 2019 when I got super suicidal and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but like, we haven't been close like that since then, since like 2019. And, and like, I feel like no matter how much I wish I could, there's no way that I can like re that, like that sort of like connection we originally had and how close we were at that time could really ever, we could ever go back to that because we're all different people. We've been through a lot of different things in the last like three or four years. And so like it, you can never go back and like, remake that like feeling again and it's also the thing of like those people were there for me in a time of my life when I was struggling so hard like those people are the ones that like made me realize that I could go to therapy and I could do it and like I could cut off my mom and survive it and um, really helped me like figure out that process and but because of that I like put them up on this huge pedestal and like see them as like these great amazing friends whose friendships like I ruined and maybe I did partly ruin it but like I look at those friendships in like a very like rose-colored glasses sort of way and it's like a whole thing of of after listening to that episode I did a few times about my old friend thinking about them in that context as well and being like this also applies to them like were they really that great of friends with me like what they did for me during that time doesn't change. Like they still did amazing things for me that completely and totally changed my life for the better. I'm very, very grateful that I met those people when I did. And I'm very grateful and happy that we had a friendship for as long as we did and that they were able that, and the times that we did have together were really great. But also that doesn't mean that, the me now or like even me then was necessary that they were necessarily like the healthiest sort of friendships I could have tried to have or that just because they were those people for me in the past doesn't mean that they are those same people for me now and me trying to go back and like restart friendships with them purely based on how I felt about them in a time of my life when I was seriously going through it and I am not that much like that person that was going through all of that stuff back then. It's like trying to force something that isn't there. And it's a, it's like that whole pattern that I was, that I've been trying to say is like putting people up on a pedestal because of how they're like the only happy memories I have from a time in my life. And like not really seeing them clearly or seeing how they view me clearly anymore. And it's like those, those people that I was friends with, it's been three entire years since we've been close. If they, and I have reached out to one of them like three times and apologized for the things that I did and told them, told them that I've changed and that I'm much more like stable than I ever was and that I'm not being weird about new spirituality anymore or any of that stuff anymore. And it's like, 
I, I've done that. I've like reached out three times to one of them and said that. And so it's like, if I've done that and none of them have like ever tried to reach out to me and have never been like, Hey, I miss how we used to talk. Can we talk about what happened or can we talk about how you're doing or like what you're doing now and are perfectly fine with just like seeing my social media posts and liking them and just interacting with me that way. And, and that's the extent of our interaction. Then clearly that is what they want. (laughs) And like me acting like these people are like, you know, going to be like lifelong friends is me setting myself up for disappointment. And it's me like wanting that because they were such important people in my life. And it's like, I refuse to make those sort of mistakes again. Like I did that with Brett, with my other friend. I kept thinking that he really liked me and, or loved me and cared about me in a friendship way and was acting certain ways based on the assumption that he was. And so I feel like I've done a lot of that with them too, of assuming a lot of things about them because assuming that they care about me the way that I care about them. And it may just not be the same. Like, yes, I do think that they care a lot about me and they want me to be happy. But I also think that like some of the stuff in 2019 that was really hard on me at that time, because I didn't, it was really confusing for me to figure out like what this really meant is that like when I met them, when I saw them in person in 2019 at the Star Wars convention, when I was, super duper depressed and barely sleeping I could just like literally like feel how I was like the kind of like like almost like the problem like and I don't mean that in like a bad way but I mean it in like a way of like I was the one that was like having horrific insomnia and was like struggling really hard and and all that sort of stuff and so I could tell that like they were kind of changing what we were doing, like the plans that we were doing and things like that, that they probably otherwise wouldn't have done if I wasn't there because I was there and they were like trying to make sure that I was sleeping and they were trying to like have, and they had to do that. Like they had to like somewhat take care of me when we were there. And because of, because I just was struggling so fucking hard then it was really, really bad. And I could just tell the entire time that weekend and after we came home that like things were just different after that. And I think it was honestly because I was just so weird and, um, was just didn't know how to communicate. And like the last time we had saw each other in person the year before that stuff was there, but it wasn't as like obvious because I was able to act more how I was, how I knew I should. And I was I just was not in like as bad of a mental state as I was like a year or so later. And so, and the rest of that year, I could just like tell that they likely were like talking to each other in another like, you know, group chat with other people. And I could, because sometimes one of them would like post a random like message in our chat room out of nowhere and I wouldn't know what it meant and I would be really confused and I could just when I saw that I was like that's probably they probably posted that in the wrong room by mistake and it was just like I could just tell that like 
the I was the only person talking really I would talk and they would say like one one of them would say like one thing back to me and that was it and so it's like I know that they're having conversations with each other out there somewhere and I and but like that was part of my confusion I was like are they are we just like not talking to each other that much anymore do they just like have other people or other friends that they feel like closer to now or are or are they just talking to each other in a different place and like I couldn't even be like that upset about them doing stuff like that because I knew that I was super duper depressing during that time because I didn't see any point in anything I was never happy I was super suicidal I made everything like negative because that's just how I saw the world at that time. Um, but like, that was one of the things that was really hard for me back then was that I could like literally feel them like not wanting to talk to me anymore. And they were some of the only people that I had and I had placed so much importance on them in my life because they were, I just like want at that point in my life, still now but especially then I wanted to like rebuild my life I just wanted to leave Wisconsin and I still want to leave Wisconsin even though it's hard to do that um but I like wanted to like move to like Colorado to live by a couple of them because I just wanted to get away and um and it was hard to then after started wanting to plan for that one day in the future like a year or so down the line realize as the year went on um like realizing that they didn't seem to like want to talk to me as much anymore. We didn't seem to get along as much anymore. We didn't seem to have the same connection any anymore as like I was changing. And it was very confusing for me for a really, really long time, honestly, even to now to like really be sure that that was them actually doing that, that I was picking up on and not just me like having trauma responses but I really think that it was me picking up on something valid and it's perfectly fine. And like the, and like, they're not bad people. They're still great people. And just because our friendship didn't last very long because I changed a lot during that time doesn't mean that it doesn't matter or that they're bad people or that I regret being friends with none, not at all. They're wonderful people. I still love those people. And um, and all that, but it's just more of me realizing as I'm talking to someone that is like a good friend that is like, um, seems to enjoy, you know, talking to me and all that sort of stuff. I, I said this to my therapist like months ago that my old therapist, even like back in like May that I knew that I wouldn't be thinking about those people and wondering if I should start restart a friendship with them again as much if I had even just one friend right now that I could talk to in that same way. Because the reason why I was thinking about them so much is because there is there was nobody else and they were like the last people I was close with. And that makes you like think about the people in your past and wonder if you made a mistake not talking to them anymore. And I but I knew that if I had somebody else who I could do that with that I wouldn't be like questioning my old friendships anymore. I would be letting them stay how they are. And that's basically what I've been doing now is like, Oh, these people were really important to me before. I'm really glad that we still have each other on social media and can still chat and be friendly. And cause I still love and care about them and want them to be happy. But like, 
them being more like acquaintancy sort of things is absolutely fine at this point because it's like I've put myself out there many times if they want it if they want to talk to me more they know how to find me and um and in the meantime I can like not feel the pressure of feeling like I need to like you know um like do something to make myself like presentable almost to them or like um, feeling like I need to change myself to be closer to them, like all of that nonsense. I don't need to do that. I can just find other people that like me for me and have them be who they are now in my life. Just because we didn't and I didn't end up like moving by one of them and just because those friendships didn't last um, and were even though I thought that they would last way longer than they did, doesn't mean that they aren't important and they aren't great people and they aren't meaningful. It just is different. I changed a lot. That's all this is. And I guess that's what this whole episode of this podcast is really, is me talking about how, like, now I've changed a ton in the last, like, four years, and I like me as I am right now the most that I've liked myself ever. And... I'm finally getting to the point where I'm tired of feeling like I need to hide any of that. Like it's been an entire lifetime of me doing that. I know, like there's always a part of you, yeah, that like wants like some sort of public or approval, at least approval of people in your life that love and care about you. That's just the human experience. But I'm tired of feeling like I need to hide like parts of my personality from my sister or have to hide about what I'm talking about from her because I don't know how she's going to react. And um, I want to be able to talk about the things that I want to talk about without and um, without like feeling like I need to shut that down because she might see it. I want to be able to do it, know that if she does see something I post and she gets upset that it's not my responsibility, that she is a whole ass 36 year old woman who's about to have a child. Like if she doesn't like the fact that I bring up that trauma therapy works or the fact that we come from in a very abusive family, there really isn't much I can really do about it. But like me saying that out loud and intellectualizing about it is very different from me actually feeling like I can do that. But yeah. I guess that's where I am right now. I'm going to finally stop ranting about all of this.